the table today. Um, let's start with uh, Roger. Tell us, uh, we got somebody from New York at the table today. Tell us who is here. I, I if, if I could be peacock proud, I am just. <laughs> I like it. Um, I am excited to have with us today um, the principal. When I was pastor in the Bethel Seminary Adventist Church, I had the privilege of, of having um, this individual be the principal of the school there in Bethel. And I was just so blessed and pleased. We became good friends. I mean, real good friends. She is down to earth. She knows what she's talking about. She encourages her teachers. She, she, she connects with her students. And it was a joy for me as a pastor to, to just fit right into the staff there, whatever they needed um, from the church side of things. We dialogued, we made sure we had a plan and the school was in, is in good hands there at Bethel. So I'm so happy to have with us Celestine Crichton, the principal of the Bethel Seventh-day Adventist School. Awesome, awesome. So nice to have her with us. Um, I, I want to take the opportunity. I'd like to introduce, we also have with us Miss Evelyn Fordham Goodman. Uh, this was a classmate, I think, of all of ours, wasn't it? Yes. 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 At Oakwood, uh, then, can I say then college? I always say then college. Um, but Evelyn is the principal uh, in, uh, in Columbus, at Columbus Adventist Academy. She's been a teacher for several years, teacher extraordinaire. She's just taken on the mantle of being the principal in this new space. Um, and we're excited to hear from her. She is also the pastor's wife of the church there. So her perspective when it comes to Christian education is going to be very intriguing uh, to hear from today. And so we're excited to have Miss Evelyn with us. Okay, well, I wonder if we can get Evelyn to sing for us. Today. Oh, oh we that would we be good. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> can you do a little <laughs> good minute? I mean, she's going to shoot us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so that's two. Who's number three, Pastor uh, oh, Dr. Henry? Well, listen, we have the privilege today of having Frank Runnels. He is the superintendent, vice president of the school system here in the Florida Conference. Let me tell you something. A lot of innovative things are happening in the Florida Conference in regards to the education system, and he is at the top of it. We have the robotics uh, ministry that is doing some phenomenal things. Hopefully he'll be able to talk about that. And he is an ordained person. We praise God for that. And also he's a person that loves Jesus with a passion. And so we are so grateful to have Mr. Frank Runnels right here with us today. Awesome. So look, let's have a word of prayer. Let's bring him on. All right. Let us pray. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to have this discussion here today. We ask God that you will continue to lead us and guide us. And we pray, Lord, that we will have a better understanding of the challenges that we face, knowing that we have a God that can meet every challenge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, and here they are, ladies and gentlemen, Celestine Crichton, Frank Runnels, Evelyn Fordham. Um, we welcome you to the Pastors Roundtable today. Um, some of you are watching out there, and, and, and I know that we, when we started today, there was a little lag on our end, so we're going to try to keep that in mind, making sure that everybody hears everybody at the right space and at the right time. But listen, we did not give everybody, we didn't read the full bio, and we know each of you have 
have like, you know, 20, 30 pages worth of great stuff, a bio um, that we couldn't fit all of that in. So we're just going to start. We're going to uh, start with Celeste, uh, Sister Crichton. I'm going to go with that because I don't know if I'm pronouncing your first name right. Um, we're going to give you uh, 45.9 seconds to just shout out anybody you want to talk to today. Uh, tell us just a little bit more about where you are, what you're doing, anything that you want to say. Um, and the time is yours. Thank you, Pastor. Um, Celestine, Celestine, Celeste, they work for me. I know you're talking about me. It's such an uncommon name that I know it's me. Once I'm in the house, it is me. So thank you for having me on today. I am in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Um, I am the principal of the Bethel Elementary School. I've been with Bethel for the last 10 years. As my pastor shared, he has been a wonderful supporter of Christian education, and it is because of support from people like him that we continue to do a great job with our children. I want to thank God for his leading and his guidance. And in as much as I could say so much, I just want to thank him for the opportunity that he has given me to transform, to touch, to help, to direct young minds. I have an awesome job and I praise God for it, being healthy and safe and able to give the best that I have. And when we get a chance to interact with our children in whatever way we can, that's always a blessing. But mine is an ongoing blessing because I have them seven and a half hours every day. And I thank God for what he's able to do through us. So I just like to thank you for the opportunity to share and pray that God will continue to lead us and guide us as we continue to give our best in his vineyard. All Amen. right. Amen. Amen. So glad to hear that. Excited about that. A, We're a going to extraordinaire. I, oh. I hope you see that. Preacher. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now. Come on now. Yeah, so we, we give preachers less time. We give preachers like 20-something seconds because we know preachers. So and I don't know what to do with the preacher's wife on the time here. Um, I, I, I'm going, you blame this one on Keith, Evelyn. I'm going to give you 30, 30.7 seconds. Before, before, you, before you introduce Evelyn, now Evelyn is a preacher she is. as well. She is. Sister Goodman can go so she can preach, she can what? sing, she can teach, and she can administrate. Come on now. Come on. Evelyn, you got 30. 39.8 seconds. Go. It's all yours. Thank you for the 39.8 seconds. I'm just so grateful to be here on the pastor's roundtable. This is exciting. I, in fact, I have a very close friend who watches very consistently. And so she was excited to know that I would be a guest here today. I'm just thankful for all of the pastors here. We're all good friends. And just for the colleagues that I just met, I'm excited about the conversation. As you mentioned, we just moved to Columbus. This is our first year, Keith as pastor, myself as principal. And it's a blessing. It's always a blessing to be in service to Christ and to his children. So I am certainly blessed and grateful to be here. Thank you. Awesome. 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 So glad to have you. Uh, Elder Runnels, time is, oh, I've got to give him a time, Dion. I'm going to let you, that, that, that's <laughs> That's uh, your conference. No, I, I, you can take I, all I the time he needs. All the time he needs. I'm just grateful to be here. It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you for giving us this forum uh, to talk about what I believe is powerful kingdom ministry. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to, to be a part of something wonderful I think God is doing. I've had the opportunity to serve uh, in the Office of Education for 14 years. And we've seen God do some just tremendous things. And we're just excited because we really believe the best is yet to come. We believe that the pandemic was an opportunity. And it was an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for exposure and a, and a, and a wonderful chance 
our teachers uh, to show what they could do and our students to improve. So very excited about being here with you gentlemen. Uh, you guys have history with my family, so that just makes it like home. I'm just like talking to brothers, so awesome. I praise God for that. Hey, look, this just came to mind, and I hadn't thought of this before, but uh, it just struck me. Um, I think it was last year around February, I was at a meeting at Florida Conference headquarters with uh, an NAD meeting that was going on there, and your conference president was going to be with us but could not be with us because uh, on the second day you know, because he had an invitation to the White House at the time and it had to do something with education. Tell us just a little bit about that. What was that about? What was going on Florida Conference at that time? Out of 1,800 schools, um, our governor chose a total of five schools uh, to visit and as a result, two of them were part of our school system. And uh, as a result of that, they started hearing some of the things that were happening um, in, in Adventist education. And it, they were so impressed with it that um, our president and a couple of others got a call to the White House. And uh, they were talking about ministry and some of the things that we're doing to try to uh, uh, infect, and that's the word I'm using, to infect our communities for Christ and to help our kids understand that um, it, it's a wonderful thing to, to be prepared for Christ to come, but it's a blessed thing right now uh, to be influencers uh, today in their communities and in their world. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Well, listen, we're, we're gonna start off right now uh, with our first question. And, you know, last year, last year, uh, right around March, my, I have uh, two children, I get young adults, <laughs> teenagers, um, in school. One went on a spring break, and then one was at Oakwood. And then the pandemic hit, and so they never went back. Well, my son did not go back to high school. That was his senior year, so he had to finish his senior year virtually. And then my daughter, who was at the first, uh, during her first year at Oakwood, she had to come home and spend a good part of that second semester at home. So COVID-19 has changed the way that we think about education, especially during this time. Um, they had to go virtually. I mean, the whole house was you know, everybody had their office at the house, you know, <laughs> and that was really interesting, but it was virtual. And the teachers were, some of them, you know, in, in different sphere, not just talking about the ones where my children interacted with, but the teachers had to be creative. Uh, some of them, and I imagine you all will know, had to learn some things like pastors that uh, we didn't really, we weren't really accustomed to doing. And so it has changed this whole thing. This pandemic has just changed the way we do it. And even when we are coming out, and I know I'm saying a lot, but I just want to give the background, the context behind this. Even as we are coming out and we are opening up um, schools and so forth, it still changed our philosophy on education and on teachers. And so my question is, what are some of the important characteristics now that you're looking for in teachers, in, in administrators, as we open up and as we you know, get back into the classroom, but the virtual space, 
I believe is not going away in some shape or form. So what type mm -hmm. of characteristics are we looking for? Let's go um, to uh, maybe Mrs. Uh, Goodman, if you want to take a, you know. Sure. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I know we can get into the nuts and bolts about teachers that are creative, teachers that are able to be change agents, but before all that, and I'm sure my colleagues can agree, truly we have to know and have teachers and administrators who truly know and have a relationship with Christ. Come on now. Come on. And I will say that because in this year, you had to be connected to the vine. You had to know Christ. Things were changing literally overnight. Literally, things would change day by day. And the teachers were looking to us for answers and for faith and for hope. And our, we had to speak hope. We had to walk hope. We had to speak faith and walk hope. We had to let our teachers know only because we knew Christ and he doesn't change hmm. that he would get us through this. So I would say, you know, before we talk about best practices and they need to have this and this, especially as we are Christian teachers. We're not just any teacher. We are Christian right. Seventh-day Adventist teachers. We have to know Christ. And that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. The methods change. You know, we know that this year was full of change, but he doesn't change. And if we're connected to him, he'll give us everything we need. And I can testify to that. He gave me everything. He gave our school absolutely everything we needed to have a successful year. Wow, wow. Oh, I, like, I like that. I like that. I mean, we got to be connected to the Christ. And when you're connected to Christ, even when you're in a crisis, God will wow. definitely lead you out. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Let, let me go to New York. Um, <laughs> Sister Crichton, I mean, New York was the, man, that was the epicenter at one time. Am I right? I That's right. At the very be beginning. You over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're right there. I got to okay. pretend like you're right there. Yes. And I could imagine um, the, the stress, the amount of stress that was on um, the teachers at your facility, like, like the rest of the country, as you get back in and, and again, being committed to Christ is essential. That's the foremost, the foremost thing that we need. What are some of the characteristics again, that, that you'll be looking for in teachers, especially as you deal with areas like, um, you know, they have these two, they have different learning styles and there's project learning. I know that a lot of schools are going to this project learning. So what are some of the characteristics that you're looking for? Thank you, Pastor. I'd like to add to what Sister Goodman said um, earlier. And the word that I want to use is availability. When we are available, God is able to pour into us. What she says is vital. First and foremost, we're not just teachers. We are Christian teachers. And that connection makes a world of difference. There are teachers who go to school every day, but there's no source. There's no connection. Nobody fills them up. So at some point, they run on fumes or air and they run dry. They have nothing to give to the kids. Hmm. But because we are connected to the true vine, he fills us every day. What used to happen in my school is every morning we had worship and pastor can speak every morning. We didn't start without worship, mm -hmm. but the pandemic changed that because we could no longer meet in that room, in that space because of social distancing. So we went online and we had worship before we could meet and after we met. So we were still getting filled up. We had to find creative ways to make ourselves available so that God could use us. And sure enough, there were times when teachers didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. And as Sister Goodman says, we the leaders had to be so connected so that when they came to us, we had answers. 
My theme for the last two years have been jo- has been Joshua 1, 9. Fear thou not. That is the position I had to take. And I had to stand firm on that word. So my teachers could see Jesus. My students could see Jesus because many of them were coming from homes where they had started to lose family members and they wondered what I'd be next. So we had to stand firm and say, listen, the God before this pandemic is still here and you need not be afraid because he's not given you that spirit. So what do we bring? As Christian teachers, that is what makes the difference, being available to be used by God. Other than that, we're all teachers, well-trained, qualified, able. We have all the skills and we have the creativity. We can make the bulletin boards outside of Christ. We have nothing to give. And the pandemic drew us even closer because we recognized we didn't know what it was. We didn't know who was behind it. We didn't know how to fight it. And we didn't know if we were going to survive but we knew Christ. All right, all so, right. So, Dr. Henry, I, I am very curious to hear um, um, uh, Brother Ronald's uh, response to that question. He sits in a seat where he hires or or at least uh, speaks to, uh, has a lot to do with the hiring of, of all of the teachers and, and principal staff in our schools. So as you look at that, is there anything specific that you are looking for beyond what we've heard uh, at this point when it comes to um, teaching professionals to staff our facilities in a time like we're in right now. Yes, um, I, I'm, go- I'm also going to add to what Sister Goodman and Sister Creighton uh, spoke about. Uh, foundation must be Jesus Christ. It must, it must rest on that. But as we're looking for teachers, I think the pandemic exposed something that many of our teachers weren't prepared for. Uh, it was something called inequalities. Uh, for the first time, it wasn't just kids coming to the school through hybrid learning, uh, kids, uh, there was teachers going into the household uh, of the children. And they saw things that they weren't really prepared for. They saw kids that were struggling. They saw kids with challenges with internet. They saw kids with with a variety of different issues. And it gave them a, a real vision of, of, of who they were dealing with and the, and, and the awesomeness of the kids, but the needs of the kids. I guess one of the characteristics that we look for when we're hiring a person is empathy. Mm. Empathy is a powerful word. A person who can come and identify with the children. One of our values is it goes along with what we call the paraclete, with all of which all of you guys understand. Our value shift was we wanted to come alongside our teachers, and we wanted our teachers by pouring into them to come alongside our students. And, and, and to grapple with where they were. And we knew our teachers were going through such struggles, the mental health, um, the problems that were happening, you know, teachers who had their own kids at home to teach, yet they were trying to teach others. And so our goal was to find teachers, and, and it still is, with high capacities for love, for, for honoring people, teachers who want to learn, that want to pour, pour into kids, but who see the value of every single child. Because mm. we believe that every child has the right to reach their God-given potential. Yes. Not the opportunity, the right. Wow, wow. And right. because of that, we hold it upon ourselves to come alongside our people. And so characteristics, yes. Uh, adaptability, reliability, um, uh, empathic, uh, a person 
who can learn, <laughs> you know, not the sage on the stage, a person who sees that there are kids like who are more technology <laughs> savvy than our teachers are. <laughs> and to be willing and humble enough to allow kids to, to be the foundation and not the ceiling for kids. Those are traits that we look for. Well, wow, uh, can, wow. can, you, can you say that la at last part again, not the ceiling for kids? Can you just go through that last part again that you said? So I believe that there's a statement, and I had a chance to visit Sister Creighton and Sister Goodman's website, and one of them says, higher than the highest human thought is God's ideal for their children. And the reality is, if God's ideal is that high, how dare us be the ceiling for any of our kids? God has not called us to be anyone's ceiling. He's called us to be the foundation, to be there, something that they can build upon. And as a result, we see kids soaring, exploring, learning what it means to fail, learning what it means to succeed. Teachers being stretched, their capacities growing as they're coming alongside students and, and helping students to realize potentials that um, they didn't even know were possible. That is what I believe God has called us to be as Seventh-day Adventist educators, not ceilings, but foundations. Wow. Oh, great stuff. Wow. Listen, I listen, want to mix listen, this up I a little. Think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Elder. Listen, I, I just, as I'm hearing what they were looking for in teachers, my esteem of teachers just went through the roof. I just think we should just take a moment here and just yes. thank our teachers for what they had to do. I think uh, Dr. Reynolds said it best. Not only would the kids come into the classroom, but the teachers were now going to the homes. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's yeah. a lot to ask. I, I know um, even in ministry, we're having right now a situation where pastors are reducing the kind of connectivity that they have with their members. But that is a hard thing to do with teachers when you're, you're with them as long as uh, Sister Crichton talked about being with them seven to eight hours a day. You're, you're, you're becoming a very integral part of their lives. And so I just want to say, wow, I salute, I salute teachers right now for what they have done during this pandemic. Yeah, and I, I just uh, want to add to you. Pastor Paul, before you move, i just like to underscore um, when we as Seventh-day Adventist teachers, as we speak about education, stay to the blueprint, you will realize how we accomplish much. When we move away from the blueprint, we find ourselves in trouble. What you heard um, Pastor Reynolds, talk, Reynolds talking about is something we've been doing for years, visiting homes. As, an, as a teacher in early years, we, we would go to the homes of every child in our class. That's how we knew what was happening. And then as the paradigm shifted, all of a sudden they came to us and we ceased going. The pandemic, as he indicated, caused them to come into class and allowed us to go into their homes. And we saw some things. So now that we come back into class, one of the things I would do as an administrator and a teacher is again, begin to visit those homes. Because when you know where kids are coming from, when you know the struggles of that house, you can serve that family better. That is something we have to return to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just want to underscore that as well. I you know, I have the privilege here of, of pastoring a church where we have a K through eight school. Um, we ended, I think, the 95 school year. Uh, I'm sorry, 95. Listen to me. Um, the, uh, the 2019 school year with about 95 students enrolled in our K through eight. And and when the pandemic came, we, we were expecting that we were going to lose some, but our enrollment stayed fairly steady through that. And I saw my teachers um, and my principal. I want to shout out Miss Olga. Simmons and the staff at the New Hope uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church School here in Fort Lauderdale. But one of the things that I found is that my, my teachers were not just visiting students, having to visit students at home now. They're having to go to family funerals. Um, yes. They're showing up. And, and these are kids who aren't members of our church. But yes. as this pandemic hit in, in so many different ways, and particularly in that way, you know that teachers, they're, they're like the first, you know, you would think that a kid is having some issues, he's going to go, listen, and I'm <laughs> I'm being very honest here and very direct. Mm -hmm. There are some mm -hmm. issues that you would expect a teacher would go first. I mean, sorry, a student would go first to a counselor or to the police. A lot of times it's the teacher that they go yes. to first, mm -hmm. um, okay. not the pastor, not grandma. Not, it's sometimes it is the teacher that stands on the front line of dealing with things like abuse in the home, dealing yes. with with all kinds of other issues that are happening. And um, there's not enough that we can say about the value and the importance that the role of the role that teachers play in the lives of our young people um, and just we, we just want to you know do as much as we can to support you in what you're doing um, there was a question that came in the chat I yes. saw earlier um, that had to do with um, public schools and they were saying we should have somebody from public school uh, on this panel and we actually thought about that when we we're working towards that and we weren't able to work it out for today however one of the discussions that has always come up even prior to the pandemic when it comes to public schools is what is the value that advocates education, Christian education has compared to public school education. When the majority of our students in many of our churches are not attending our schools, but they are attending uh, in, in uh, public school education. And so the question that I have, as far as the adjustments, we know that the pandemic has made us forced us to make some adjustments in our educational, in how we deliver the education. How have the, have the, any of those, what, first of all, what are any of those adjustments? What are some of the adjustments that you've had to make in your classrooms or with your systems, with your curriculum, uh, how you deliver it? And then um, what are some of the ones that you see going forward that may close some of the apparent gap that our, that our parents tend to see between public school and 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 church school have we gained any ground in that area what are some of the things that we could say to gain some ground when it comes to some of the adjustments that we've been forced to make and some of the adjustments that we think we need to make going forward well that was a power pack question paul i mean there was a lot there was a lot, that was a lot to that um we had to make some adjustments in I, I think the biggest adjustment that we made was a God-ordained adjustment. Um, one, of, one of the burdens on my heart has been that uh, when God called me to Florida was I, I've, I've always wanted um, equity. And what I mean is, you know, not everything in life is fair. Every school is not built the same. Some of our schools um, aren't financed as well or whatever else. But we took a concept that was a little bit different and we wanted to build equity. And so about maybe seven months before the pandemic, we decided to install enterprise uh, technology and networking in all our schools. And boy, there was a lot of grumbling. 
But who knew that, as Pastor Dion said, we, we would go on vacation and then that would be it. And so what we found is that uh, one of the levelers were is, is that once the pandemic came, uh, the average amount of time that our schools missed was only three and a half days. We were able to continue uh, learning um, through the pandemic. And then here in Florida, of course, as you guys know, uh, our state was open. And so the majority of our schools have been open most of this school year. And our teachers have been doing a hybrid type of learning. And so we've seen challenges and stuff, but um, the from the surveys that we've received, from our discussions with people in the public sector, from our discussions with uh, superintendents from Orange County and a variety of things, they were amazed at what uh, God was able to accomplish through the system. Um, I'm going to say this, not for any other reason, but because I believe it's true, because you've asked something about um, Adventist education. There has been a history of looking at what we don't have. We look at what we don't have in finances. We look at what we don't have in this and we don't have that. But we took a different approach. It's not the pastor's fault. It's not the church's fault. Let's take what we have. <laughs> let's, let's use what we have and see what God might do. Let's go with what, you know, they said at the gate, beautiful. We don't have silver and money, but what we do have, that's what we will give to you. And so as a result, we took that approach, and then as a, and and the result of that, what that is that we saw our schools start to thrive, and we start to see many public schools and charter schools even want to contact us. In fact, recently, um, schools in Miami are wanting to be a part of some of the um, innovation that we're doing because we believe that God, being the Creator, when our kids create, that's when they're most like their Creator, and and as we expound that we start to see more and more people gravitating to that. And so we're becoming excited and humble because they're saying, how are you doing that with all this stuff? It's not that because we have much, it, we have him. I think that's what Sister Goodman is saying, Sister Creighton is saying. But instead of, of just resting, we believe that there's a job to do. And so I'm, I guess I'm answering all those things. In the midst of the pandemic, God allowed us or allowed his light to shine. And so we're excited about that. Our map scores and the, these things that we're seeing, yes, we have we have hurt in certain areas, but in other areas we have thrived and people scratch their head, but I just give God praise for it. Wow. Wow. All right. I'd like to add to that that um what we found was that there are some things that the Bible has spoken to us about eons of years ago, and we haven't complied with. So what the pandemic did was the pandemic told us that we have to get back to doing them. One of the things I discovered is when we opened school for the 2021 school year, not a single one of our children was sick. Not a single one was out because of COVID. What we did was we socially distant. We put in the infrastructure that we were required to put in. We wore our masks and we did everything that we needed to do. We did not lose a single day of school. But the Bible talks about cleanliness and how we conduct ourselves. Um, our building was kept. Our children were kept. Our, our teachers did what they needed to do. I'm talking about even in the case where a child would normally have an allergic reaction to something or children have allergies, our kids came to school and not one had a cold for the entire year. But you see, what I find has happened is as um, 
Pastor Ron Ronald has said, we look at what we don't have. And that has always bothered me. Why do we look at what we don't have instead of utilizing that which God has given us? In addition to which it gave us the opportunity because the schools around us, public schools around us were all shut. The only school in my neighborhood open was the little Bethel Seventh-day Adventist school. And I saw people come and just stand up. What are you guys doing? We have school going on. Our kids came in their uniform. They were well-dressed. They came to school. We didn't lose a day because what he says is true. We have to st stop looking at what others have and look at what God has given to us. And I dare to say this, Pastor Paul, Pastor Henry, I dare to say this, Pastor Wade, we have to get our people to understand that what God has given you, he is going to make work for you. What God has blessed you with, he's going to make sure you get a blessing from. But a lot of our people in church look at what other schools have. They look at what other schools are doing. They look at the monies. And sometimes we want the same and we lose sight of what God wants for us. But in this pandemic, the light was shone on us. And because we stayed the course, knowing who we believe in, knowing who we are and who has us covered, we were able to demonstrate to those looking on, this is God's school. We're going to show up. We're going to do what he requires of us because there are people who depend on us. Not a single parent moved their child from our school during the pandemic. I had two children online, but we conducted school in person as well as online for those two children. You see, we have to remember that Christ would have come if it was only for one. We're going to be open if it's only for one. We're going to serve. And our parents need to understand that at the end of the day, our schools were created for our children. And if you want the blessing, if you want them to reach the level God has ordained for them to reach, then you have to put them at the feet of the people God has chosen to serve them. We can't continue to compare ourselves with others because we're comparing apples and oranges. When we compare our schools with public schools, it's about apples and oranges because our philosophy is different. Our purpose is different. And the God who established us will look out for us. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sister Goodman, if I can, and I'm going to address this to, to you and Sister Crichton as well, um, and, and probably get myself in a little bit more trouble here. You have the opportunity to have the ear of your of your uh, education superintendents at the superintendent level or, or even at the union level. Going forward, what would be some of the things that you would say to them about resources or help or direction that you would need at the local school level that they might be able to help with when it comes to um, the direction, the adjustments going forward? What would be some of the things that you would ask um, of the, the structure or the institution or the resources that you have or don't have or would like more of? Going forward, adjustment-wise, what, what, would, what would be at the top of your list? I'll start by saying that I'm actually in a very, very blessed situation. My superintendent, um, our conference is extremely supportive of our school. And I did want to just piggyback on the question about the public school question. We actually have 49% non-SDA children. We have 51% SDA. We ended the year with 144 students. And wow. Many of our many of our children, you know, who come from non-SDA homes, those parents, those public school, the community, the community values what we're doing. They value it. They know it's working. And that's why they are beating down the doors trying to get their children in our schools. And so I just want to say that, as as my colleagues have said, they value it. And my prayer is that we would value it. And so I would say for the 
the conferences, the unions, I would say that we continue to to not look necessarily at what we're not doing to value what we're doing and to resource the local community i you know have 144 students i'm thankful that my superintendent we don't have it this year but we're praying that i can receive a vice principal so that we can actually work even broader and move towards even a secondary right now we're k through eight um, the Lord has blessed us. We were able to hire a guidance counselor this year to help meet the needs of some of our children mm -hmm. and grief and the loss and yeah. those difficulties. So there are a lot of things that we have already done. And I would just say that the continued resourcing of our local body, particularly a vice principal, would be top of my list so that we <laughs> would when I get home at night with my eight-year-old daughter, I have time, you know, and because many of us, not just Adventist teachers, pastors, we're overworked. We're overworked, many of us, and we're we're wearing multiple hats. So I would say if we want to see our the 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 public community, they're beating down our doors. And if the Lord keeps sending them, we need to keep broadening our infrastructure. And I would say that would include more staff. All right. <laughs> Sister Crichton, that same question. I know you answered before, but go that same question. If you if you could, you know, request something that would as far as going forward, adjustments going forward. What would be some of your requests in regard to that? Pastor Paul, uh, similar to Sister Goodman, I at Bethel, my church is extremely supportive of what we do. It is one of the few churches that, um, if I might so, is carrying its school. So we have, we have no lack when it comes to that support. However, the overall picture for me, I would request that the conference, the union, Make education a priority. Make education first. Spin it over. Instead of focusing on the churches, focus on the schools. Grow the schools. Because if you grow your schools, you are doing two things. Parents will come to your church because their children will bring them. And secondly, your churches will grow not only for now, but for the future. Because these children who have been blessed by us, served by us, will become members of the church and you will have a future. If you don't invest in your schools, you will have no future tomorrow. We will have to shutter many of our churches. And that would be my message, not resources. I've seen God provide for us. We lack nothing. God provides. But until we shift the paradigm, until education becomes more important than it is today in my neck of the wood, we're going to suffer down the road. And that would be my my concern and my request that we put the focus on education on our children and watch God do what he is going to do. Awesome. Awesome. Great to hear. Um, Frank, I'm going to pass that to you as well. So, so, you know, a lot of, in our case, the union does a lot with our schools as far as governing some of the education system, curriculum, all of that. If there was any request or, or thing that you would have going up the line, whether it's union, division, whatever, what would something that you would like to see coming, coming down as far as support or resources for the local conference? I want to answer that, but I, I also want to just say this. Um, there are some powerful, wonderful teachers in public school. There are some fantastic teachers in public school, and I, and I never like to have the artificial us and them because we do a lot of collaboration with uh, teachers who, who are doing a powerful message and work there too. And so I, I just wanted to say that, and I'm sure all my colleagues would agree, we have several of our schools yeah, and they're right that um, um, that are are half or even greater um, um, uh, kids from the community and stuff. Yeah. 
But and a lot of a lot of our members are some of those mm -hmm. teachers who are teaching right. in those mm -hmm. public schools. Mm -hmm. Right. They are, and so I I don't want uh, I don't want us to create any by accident any anything artificial that you know um, it's it's us and them. No, God has called them to a ministry there, and yes. I know they're serving faithfully. And there's some wonderful, powerful teaching going on in some of those schools. And so I praise God for that. But I'm also very grateful for what God has given us. I guess what I would say is that I'm grateful for the Southern Union. The Southern Union has, has uh, worked very hard to make sure that Florida Conference and the other conferences can um, do what's in the best interest of their school systems, of their districts. And they've come alongside us also in, in hearing things like, you know, anytime we're doing curriculum, a new initiative, whatever else, sometimes it's, it's outside the scope. But the reality is they've learned to uh, allow us to go through processes. We just opened up a new school that uh, had to do with innovation and things. And so there were, uh, it was a whole different mindset of how we would look at education and redefine and, and, and look at something more transformative. And it took a union and it took the North American division to, to, to look at that and say, listen, we're willing to give those uh, opportunities to see how it can impact uh, what you do. And so I would tell them to continue to be open, to know that on the local level, that's where the boots are. <laughs> you know, from a conference perspective, I look at my two colleagues, they're on the front lines. I've served mm -hmm. on the front lines. And so my goal is to pour into them all that I have so that they in turn will pour into the kids. Yes. And so if I can pour into them, if, if we can understand that we grow by going down as opposed to all the funding going up to support a hierarchy, if they can understand that we pour down into, and mm -hmm. by doing that, there's gonna be an abundance and there's gonna be a growth yes. that will rival nothing that we've ever seen. Sure. One of the things I've heard as a pastor, um, as an administrator in the, on the church side, is that a lot of our members want to get back to normal. We want to get back to normal. We want to get back in the church. We want to get Yikes. there to sing and to, to, to be a part of worship together. Is, is the normal that members are thinking about the same kind of normal teachers and the education system is thinking about what how would you define um what is normal for education institutions mm. i don't know what normal is anymore you know i just <laughs> i don't i think um i actually don't want to go back to normal I think we've had some powerful experiences in the normal that I don't want to lose sight of. You know, we had a unique, interesting um, situation actually at our school in Columbus. We had a staff person who was unable to teach most of the year or, or certain And we were actually able to secure the services of a highly qualified teacher's master's degree, a teacher master's degree in Houston. Houston, a teacher. Yes. She worked every day from Houston and we're in Columbus. We had Eric Thomas who was able to come and be and meet with our students for chapel from you know his location. We had, I was able to have Dr. Summer Wood come and, and do our training online. I was able to have Renee Whiting from the Texas conference online. You're doing a pastoral round table with people all over the world. So 
I don't want to lose that. I feel like we were able to reach across the, the continent and across the state and, and collaborate. And I think that's key. I don't want to go back to a normal where everything is like localized and we don't think broadly. We don't reach out. I think it's been a powerful opportunity to expand our thinking. So I don't want to go back to normal. I want to build on what we've learned. I want to move forward. We are planning to, by God's grace, be in person, but we still are going to offer online opportunities. And I, my hope is that that will always. I am. Um, I want to support uh, Evelyn with that thought. Um, what does normal look like? We have no idea what normal is going to look like after this pandemic of almost two years. But very much like what she says, I don't want to go back to doing things the same old way. One of the things I don't want to lose is the contact that we have um, established between the homes and the school in regard to that online connection. Because what has happened now in our school is no child needs to lose any learning. Even when our children are sick, they can come into the classroom and we can go into the homes. So usually when a child is out sick, you have to be conscious of that to work with that child to bring that child back on level. But of course, now that we have this platform, whenever a child is out, the child doesn't lose anything because that connection is still there. So what she said is powerful. What is it going to look like? We can't tell. But I certainly don't want to go back to the way it used to be because we've hit on something that will move us much further ahead than we've been and than we would have gotten because a lot of us resisted the technology for many years because we didn't want our kids to get caught up with all the pixelations and the screen time and all of that. Right. But we see some good. So now we're thinking, how do we utilize this for the best of our schools? And we see it can work. So we don't want to go back to what it used to be. There's a lot of there's a lot of comments in the chat. I don't know if you um, see there's a lot of comments, a lot of questions in the chat. I want to just engage our, our, our listening audience. Um, somebody was asking about the Adventist parents. In fact, they said, what about our poor Adventist parents as it relates, I guess, to school and and the funding that is needed? And another question said, well, how are we measuring if our schools are performing? So I don't know if someone wants to take um, just uh, you know, a look at some of those questions and maybe give us an answer. Um, I, like I want to start with the first one, Pastor Henry. Yes. Let me start with the first one. I believe Adventist schools were made for Adventist children first and foremost. And I believe that whether parents can pay or not, our children should be in our schools as long as they want them there. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to sit down and look at the nuts and bolts, the budgeting, to make sure we have qualified teachers in the classroom. Because once you pay a teacher, you can fill that class, in quotes, with enough students that the students can be served and the teacher's not overwhelmed. So we have to start looking at eternity. And in eternity includes teaching every child who wants to learn of Jesus. So I like the question because there are parents who can't afford it. There are parents who want their children in our system. We can't force people. They must have a choice. But for those who want them in the system, I believe, it is time for us to bring them in the system and figure out how we're going to pay the bill because the money is in the church. Uh, how do we measure if our Seventh-day Adventist schools are performing? That was one of the questions that, were, that was uh, in there as well. Did you want to address that, Elder Reynolds? I will say, I know you mentioned earlier that we're using the map growth. I think you're using that too in Florida, perhaps. Yes, yeah, um, we use it as well. You're using as well. Okay. We we do do testing. I know sometimes, you know, maybe I don't know in the dark ages, 
Adventist schools perhaps weren't doing standardized or doing some testing, but we do measure our children. They come in in the fall. We do testing. We try to see where they are. We do what we call, we're looking at assessment and growth versus, you know, trying to compare them to other people. We're trying to see where they need to be um, with regards to their own growth. And so we actually have something called the MAP Growth Assessment. That's a beautiful assessment tool. It's not just an Adventist tool. It's used throughout many districts. And that mm -hmm. tool helps us measure their growth in the fall, in the winter, in the spring. We can see where our children are. And we're very intentional about using that data to inform our instruction. And I'm sure others can speak to maybe how that looks in, in other contexts. But that's one thing that we're doing in our school. I think that's beautiful. I, I'd like to do a combination, if I could, pastors. I, I believe the new normal, when people talk about it, is, is hybrid learning. But I think what we've found is that learning occurs outside the boundaries of the classroom. Learning happens everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And so the reality of going back to a confined spot, uh, um, I, I think, would be harmful. I think learning occurs everywhere. It, it occurs in different ways. And so I would love to see us build upon what we've learned. Uh, we found that our educators were part of the learning process yet again, and I think that's fantastic. As far as testing and, and, and people being, being able to afford Adventist education, again, I, I think, um, and, I, and I'm not trying to sound tone deaf, so I hope no one feels this way, but I, I would say you, I would say for the most part, I don't think you can afford not to. I think there's a I think there's a different type of problem that a child faces within an Adventist, Adventist school environment than happens in the public sector. My brother teaches in the public sector, and um, some of the stories he tells me, uh, many of my teachers don't have to face some of those type of challenges. Well, there's issues, there's um, there's social issues, there's a variety of things, but there's other things that are that we are designed. Uh, to prevent or to to protect against to give our kids a safe, you know, healthy environment. Um, as far as testing, yes, MAP testing is something that we've been doing now. We're going on our fourth year as a conference, and we've seen some wonderful gains. I, I agree with Sister Goodman and Sister Creighton. We were able to, to, to pilot it for the North American Division, and I'm grateful that as opposed to the Iowa testings that we used to do, which was a couple of times now we're able to find through the map testing that the, the testing and the questions measure where the child is before it gives you the next question. And as a result of that, uh, teachers are able to decipher that information and they're used that to drive um, um, individual plans and things of this nature to help our kids excel in the areas that they need to excel in. You know, one of, one of the things that one of the things that as I was pastoring, um, and when I pastored a church that was connected to a school, a lot of the members were like, well, they did feed into the myth that the Adventist school system was subpar. But when we shared about the, the, the testing, the scores, what the students were doing, it became like, wow, we didn't know none of that was happening. We didn't know that was happening. And that, that seemed to have been a problem even for uh, a church and a school, even at Bethel. Um, we, we knew that there were members who sat in the pew with the school literally in the same building and didn't know the level of excellence that was happening there in the week. Uh, they felt because they only showed up on Sabbath. So, so what are some of the things, and I know this is not one of the questions there, but seeing that it came up um, with, our, uh, with our folks, what are some of the things as educators 
should we have our churches be doing to help to get the message out or to hear the message to support the the local school that they are supported there as a as a as a church and a school when you said that passed away that just really resonated with me because mm-hmm. one thing that i think is beautiful about the seventh day adventist message is it lifts people mm-hmm. when you are in a community we all know that we have great grandparents or parents perhaps that received the message. They themselves may not have even had a degree. They probably, some of them didn't even, some of them didn't even graduate from high school, let alone go to a college. And when they have joined this message, because education has been a priority, they have found themselves changing the family history. They have gone to our schools, many of them for the first time, darkened the door of a Oakwood University. I mean, my, 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 some of my, my grandparents, my grandfather, South Carolina rode his bike to Oakwood University, was able to go there. And his the whole family line has changed as a result. Generations now are becoming master degree. We have doctorates. So this, this, hasn't, this didn't just happen. The message lifts the communities. And so I think we need to not forget what God has done through our Adventist community and that it lifts people. And just to case in point here at Ephesus, our school is literally across the parking lot. And God has uniquely placed this collaboration. We have Dr. This. When I came first came to Ephesus, everybody I shook hands with was Dr. So-and-so. I shouldn't say shake hands. I mean, online. I wasn't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but online, you know, Dr. This, Professor This. We have Ohio State here. So you have this professor. God, this is not by chance that God has allowed us to literally have these people in our congregations. And so we need not forget the little school in the basement or across the hall, but we need to know that you are Dr. So-and-so because you had a teacher who went to an Adventist school that taught you and you were lifted and we need to be pulling back and lift others. Let me, let me ask this question here. Um, there's a saying that says that the worst Adventist school is better than the best public school. What do you, I, I want to know if you have a comment on that. Oh. I've heard that I, before. That is, so that is true, Pastor. Frank, Frank oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank, <laughs> Frank, Frank is going to get Well, that you. is true, Pastor. And, and, and wait, before, before you answer that question, are there some Adventist schools that are not meeting the criteria that is intended. Frank worked so hard to build that, <laughs> to, to fill that breach, and you just tore it down. Hey, I'm asking the question. Of the me, I don't here. know who's going to address this. Let so me say this stuff. We're keeping it real. So I love it. Let, we're keeping it real. Yeah. We're keeping it real. Let me, let me say this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have a delay, so I don't know if I cut you off. No, go ahead, Evelyn, please. My father went to school in a one-room classroom. Let me say this, facilities do not make education. Hmm. You, because first of all, education starts at home. Well, it starts when you are sitting at the table with, the, with your child. It starts when you, like Elder Ronald says, it starts way beyond before you get into a brick and mortar school. School starts with conversations with your children. School, I'm sorry, I'm at Ephesus and the phone's ringing. School starts when you're walking with your child and you're pointing out the leaves and the trees and you're showing them the bird and the differences in the colors of the wings and you're showing them the sky and that God made the sky. So I don't know why we get into, yes, there are materials we need, there are resources we need, but let's not forget that many of our our grandparents, great grandparents, many of the people that built these HBCUs, 
They didn't have all of that. And they were phenomenally, they were phenomenal educators. My father, who went to a one room school, he ended his career as the top of the Kansas City School District. And it's not because he had every single thing. It's because he had phenomenal teachers who knew the Lord and who poured everything they had into him. And I'm, right. I'm going to stop there because you all got me going on that. Pastor <laughs> 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 Henry, I, I'd like to add to Sister Goodman because you don't want to get principals fired up. We believe and we know that, that not all of our schools are where they should be. And we have to take each school as you find them and, and you identify what's going on. We're not all at the same place for many different reasons. But no matter where we are, no school can top what God has put in place. And that's why I'm saying when we do what God requires of us, we get to where he wants us to be. And, and I'm telling you, my children are originally from the Bahamas. I have three of them. And the science department, I'm being honest with you, very often we didn't even have materials for a simple experiment. Today you walk in the building, the old building, and it still looks the way it looked when they went there. But guess what? Three children went through that system with good teachers who poured into them, with the blessings of God in those teachers every day, showing up, going the extra mile. I have an architect out of that school system, highly qualified. I have a medical doctor out of that school system, highly qualified. I have a design engineer out of that school system, highly um, um, qualified. Not because of what they had, but because of who they had sitting in front of them. People that God used. God uses us and we find the resources because we got brains. Where there's a will, God will make a way. If you want to get it done for your children, God will make it happen. You don't need the building. You don't need the best resources. You don't need all of that stuff. You need to have qualified, capable people who give themselves over to God and the spirit of God will prepare them. What we also need is members who trust us to do right by their children and who will bring their children and pastors who will stand up in the pulpit and say, I am going to put my children in the school system. Brethren, come along. Let's put them in the school system because this is where God requires. But what we have is that the pastor's child goes to another school and those people with the higher degrees send their children to other schools. And that sends a message that our schools probably aren't any good if the pastor's children and the other children are not there. But when we come to a place, when we understand, like Sister Goodman says, education does not start in that classroom. It begins in your home. It's supported by the church and the school does that tying up then you can begin to see God's work. And we have to stop putting the blame on the school. We have to stop expecting the school to get it done. We have to stop requiring that the school is the only place where it happens. And we have to, again, come back to this triumvirate of the church, the school, and the home, educating our children. Oh, that's awesome. Listen, I, I, we, we get questions. I think Mr. Runnels wanted to. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the question is, is the worst yes. Adventist school yes. better than the best public school? <laughs> that, that statement causes convulsions in me. <laughs> because there's no reason to, for anyone to have the worst Adventist school. Wow. And what I mean by that is... Uh, the quality of teacher and the quality of learning. Let's not forget, uh, we serve someone who was born in a manger, in a trough. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
let's not forget that he came from a town that they wouldn't even pronounce called Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that he, 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 oh, well, I won't start there. Okay, I'm about to start, so I'm going to stop because I'm with Pastor. I'm going to leave it alone. But I was about to go there. I, I just need you to know that. And so I believe wow. that anything that has his name on it mm-hmm. should be excellent because yes. he's excellent. Yeah. And so I don't want to compare myself to anything or any school to put them down to make us feel comfortable. His name is on our schools. And as a result, he demands excellence. And we need to be obedient to that. That's what I'll answer it that way. All right. It's a a wrong dichotomy to to compare us to uh, universities and other schools. No, 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 no. We have his name. And when we have his name, we have the best. I remember when I was young, um, um, it was during a time that we couldn't go to the Adventist school in a certain state. And my father, when we went to uh, this church, they made us sit on the, the last pew. And um, we weren't able to be admitted. And so what my dad did is he, he went and started an Adventist school in the basement. I do want you to know at the end of that year, when they had testing scores, we tested higher than the Come state. Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know how the, how the people say, don't judge? No, no, no. Do you know that we, wow, okay, yeah, it's yeah, just too much. Yeah. No, All I'm going to tell you no, is that some of the top companies, some yes. of the top innovations uh-huh. that you take for granted have been produced by Adventists. That's right. And yes. you didn't even know it because you know why? We are our worst marketers. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. The world loves some of the things that happen. We know how to tear ourselves down more than anybody. Mercy. Mercy. We're good at it. We're like surgeons. But I want you to know something. I'm going to say this facetiously. Just give me a moment. (laughs) You asked a question. I'm going to say this facetiously. I had a a teacher go to um, a health center to find out and I know this for a fact. This is not a story. This is truism. Went there to, to, to get their health back in order. And the reality is, at the end of the time, they were asking, how did you come up with all these things? And he laughed, and he went back and showed a variety of books by Adventist people. He says, I'm getting it from you guys. And so I've always said, the best thing we can do is sell our education to the world. Then the world will go ahead and market it and people will line up and buy it just because mm-hmm. it's from them. I'm yes. telling you, God has called us for something. His name is on our schools and we better yes. get with the business of being excellent. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, what, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing right now is we have got to believe what we've been preaching. Uh, we um, talk about this big God. We talk about him being able to do so many things. Oh no. Yes, so when it comes down to these, this simple thing as education, I mean, we have some um, tremendous teachers, professors that, that teach us. Um, I talk to people across, I mean, Evelyn, um, um, uh, I mean, everyone here, most of us all went to Oakwood. There are teachers there that have made a mark in our lives and made marks in lives of people that we know and we love. But we, we, we don't celebrate those things because, I don't know, I guess we don't feel it's important. 
but I think Dr. Rounds, you shared it. His name well, was on it. Well, Pastor Wade, I got to say one more thing, and I, I say this in all sincerity. So, yes, our school system got recognized by the White House. Most people don't know about it. Our school mm -hmm. system got recognized by the governor twice. Five Out of five schools, out of 1,800 schools, two of them were our schools. Yes, our schools got recommended, I mean, got recognized because there was a bunch of senators that came to our school in North Temper Christian Academy. But those don't give me joy. What gives me joy is that Jesus comes to our schools, okay? He yeah. recognizes, yeah. He you, recognizes what it is. Come on, and now. I'm going to tell you something. I have seen our kids excel when people have told them they couldn't. I know of a kid, our director of innovation, I know of him, his son, going through our, 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 our innovation, being found at a job fair, being told, well, we don't interview freshmen. And when they showed him the list of innovations that we're doing, he got, yes, yes, he got an internship at Brown, and now he's won one of the top. Why? Because God does these things when we're faithful. So there's no reason to be the worst Adventist school. Yes. That's, what That's right. That's right. Wow. I even I saw it. that story. And in that story, they said that he was ADD or had a learning disability that he yes. was not ADHD. going to be that. I yeah. saw that story. Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, Robert Henley is yes. our director of innovation. Yes. That's right. And yes. so one of the things that we've decided to do is, is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we go outside of our conferences. Right now we're in, 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 in link with Walla Walla, with all the universities, because we believe we have to grow this. We're, we're in link with other conferences. We're in link with charter schools. Why? Because the gospel is not about selfishness. Yes. It's about blessing others. And when you right. do that, God will bless you. Amen. Wow. Listen, th this, is, this is powerful stuff. I just want to say one thing, and I know we have another question. But, um, you know, we are wearing a T-shirt that says Jesus Christ. And yes. so the standard is high. So this is now a wake-up call, a challenge to some Adventist teachers or schools that are not really promoting Christ. This is a challenge to teachers. It's a challenge to principals. It's a challenge to educate our educational system within our denomination so that we can perform excellent because name, the name that we bear is an excellent name. Oh my goodness, I feel like preaching right now. How great is his name? So if we have the name, let me tell you something. If someone has the name Disney and it's not performing Forming yeah. to my, my, Disney my, 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 standards, my, my, my. what do they do? They shut it down because they don't want their okay. name to be tarnished. And so if you are an Adventist educator at an Adventist school and all you want to do is babysit, this system is not for you. If you are not at an Adventist school and you're teaching just to get paid, this is not for you. We are calling for teachers that are passionate about Christ and passionate that we will perform at a level where we are not the ceiling because when you reach for God, the sky is the limit. That's all I have to yes, say. Yes, a pulpit. Yes, I got a pulpit yes, right yes, behind yes. you, preacher. Right behind you. Right over there. It's a pulpit. I can get you in that desk. <laughs> 
Good Amen. stuff. Hey, Amen. listen, this is not a question that came uh, that we had prepared. We get questions that come lots of ways. I have a pastor friend who's watching who just texts me a question on my phone. So, I, And I <laughs> want to po- pose this question uh, to our panel today. And it says, how can we connect the dots between evangelism and education for our conference administrators and church members, as Principal uh, Celestine suggested? Some schools have great support others are viewed as a drain on resources how do we connect those dots bridge that gap between what's what we believe in our educational system as far as the the evangelism component and 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 connect it to to administration what do we do how do we how do we do that not just administration oh go ahead go ahead sister Craig. that's that's a big question and and it starts um pastor paul with a conversation you see we have to have commitment If we are committed to the cause of God, we will get together. See what we're having here? This is a pastor's roundtable. We need our principals, our pastors, our conference leaders to get together. And let's let's flip what we've been doing. Instead of investing in churches, instead of investing in, in evangelism along that line, because in all honesty, when we have evangelistic outreach, you're looking at a week or two. We have evangelistic outreach 180 days a year. Every single day, we are leading children to Jesus Christ. So what you need to do is let's let the schools lead the evangelism thrust. Put the monies in the school. Have the pastors join us and preach with us. Have the conference leaders join us. And let's flip it. Because when I am satisfied that you care about me, Pastor, when Pastor Wade calls me, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for Pastor Wade because he is concerned about me. I had two children married in the Bahamas and Pastor Wade and his family got on the plane and came to boat weddings. They can't call me for anything that I wouldn't support. When my children hear Pastor Wade's name, it means something to them. Why? Because he is concerned about them. Let's invest in people and their children. One of the things that I appreciate about Adventists is, and I'm going to say this without fear of contradiction, Adventists are some of the most intelligent, intellectual, educated people the world over. Let's do that for our children. Let's carry our communities. Let's carry our congregations. So let's get together. Educate our children, educate our teachers, and then you'll have no problem with evangelism. Now you're going to have to build big churches because there's no place to put the people. Because I'm going to go to church because this pastor was interested in me. I'm going to take my children and my grandchildren and my neighbors because he was interested in me. But you have to do that through the school. When people see their children are growing and their children are enjoying school and their children love that teacher, loves going to school, that parent becomes your friend. They're going to follow you. How are we going to save our children? We have to invest in them and their homes, and it will make a world of difference in the church. Awesome. Let's flip the script. Yeah, I was going to echo that. I was going to I can't speak for other conferences. I don't know what everyone is doing to connect the dots, but I will say it is happening. It is happening. I was in my office at my school in Columbus Adventist Academy. My assistant brought a parent to meet me. I met the parent. This is a potential kindergarten parent. She is not SDA. And I talked to her. I said, mm-hmm. thank you for even considering us as your school. She said, oh, if my paperwork goes through and everything goes through, I'm coming here. I That's sat right. down. 
And the spirit of God came over me and said, Evelyn, I am putting the children on your doorstep. I am putting them there. I am sitting them in your reach to evangelize. It is already happening. God has already set the model. The children, the parents are coming. They are here. And so the question is not, how do we figure it out? We have the model. We have to support the model. God has already figured it out. They are literally coming. I have 49% non-SDA. Every time they walk in my building, they are seeing Christ in us. It is already there. I think there needs to be a renewing of the mind. I think we, again, have to stop looking at what's not happening and, 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 and start to be the advocators of what is happening. And as a result, uh, I know our conference president, Dr. Alan Machado, I know Elisa Raming, who Dion knows, and I know that Tim Gulf, uh, they bleed education. Our ministerial mm-hmm. director, uh, Orlando, Frank, what can I do? I mean, how can I? Because we've shown them through our actions when over maybe 35, 40% of all kids, uh, of all your baptism are, are children, that are happening in the Florida in the Florida conference, that it shows you the viability of, of of bringing them to Christ, and when you can when you can show and witness and 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 what God can do in the schools, yes. when you have wonderful leaders and principals and teachers, when you when they're able to share their commitment, and when we are able to advocate well, God does powerful things, and so. Um, I think that's how it's happening, and I agree with them. I think it's, I think it's happening. I ha- think it's happening more, but don't become weary in your well-doing. Continue mm-hmm. to be excellent. God will cause them to take notice. My last two districts, I've pastored churches with schools. And, and over the last two years, including the pandemic, I, I would say that somewhere between 70 to 85% of my baptisms have been through the school. They've come through the school. Um, and um, just it's just a powerful evangelistic work that that when it's taken on seriously and, and that in that way that, that Dr. Henry just enunciated and, and articulated for us that that there's no there's no limit to what God can do through Christian education in and it's an evangelistic arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not only not only in Christian education, I think the Seventh-day Adventist Church is very blessed to have a strong emphasis on young people. Not only yes. in education, but even in summer camp, which continues mm-hmm. that during the yeah. summer. Um, the innovation that uh, many of our conferences are doing, we do very well with our children. And when I connect with other denominations, they are very much surprised of what we can provide for our children. So I, I'm excited to hear what I heard today. It has rejuvenated a joy. I, as as uh, Sister Crichton is talking, I remembered. Um, how we transformed or transformed the conversation that happened at Bethel. Um, when I got there, there was a lot of talk about, well, the school is costing us a lot of money. But when we looked at the school as ours, it became, yes. well, that Powerful. is the place where we connect with the community. It was a different conversation. Yes. And so I, I really am excited about churches that have schools. Um, uh, Dr. Paul, you, 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 you have a, a very strong uh, connection there with your school, your church. Churches that have schools have an opportunity to, to shine even brighter for Jesus Christ because of yes. what schools bring to them. And so I, I'm just excited about what we as an organization, a church organization, a Christian organization, have for young people in our system. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this was a very, very engaging conversation. Um, before we end, I just wanted just one more thing. Uh, what's the one thing that you would like uh, the parents that are watching today to know about Adventist education, especially as we um, come out of this pandemic? What's the one thing that you want them to know about Adventist education? We'll start with... Um, anyone um miss miss well i'll just say this in, in my heart of hearts i believe the best is yet to come i i really believe that i be, i believe god has a purpose and i believe he's going to use the foolishness of, of, of the gospel to proclaim it through young people and i think they're not the future i think they're now and there are kids doing rising up doing some powerful things for Jesus Christ. And so I'd want the parents to know the best is yet to come. You don't want many negatives here to not be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Engage, be intentional, and watch God deliver. I, I support what um, Elder Ronald says, don't trust us, but trust God. Because if you trust God, he will use us to bring out the best in our children and the best is yet to come. I would say to remember that the, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that in our Adventist schools, we do both and we offer them an excellence education and we offer them an opportunity to get to know Christ. You don't want a smart child who has no character. So I would say give our, our schools a chance. We will love your children. We will partner with Christ to help them reach their potential. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on. Um, we have really enjoyed this conversation. I think it opened up um, a lot of um, uh, positive things about Adventist education in particular. And I just thank you so much. We got to dive into this thing again. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think our viewers had a lot of questions. They were engaged. So thank you so much for yeah, coming listen, on the Pastor's Roundtable. I am going to make a, a pledge right now. On next Sunday, I'm beginning a, a men's ministry week of prayer, um, sharing with them about breaking, breaking the, the, the chains. And I have to say tonight, today, I have gained enough information to be inspired to share with the men of our church the importance of Christian education. And, uh, and I'm going to do that. I'll be speaking with the Corona Seminary Adventist Church in New York, uh, virtually, of course, but we'll be sharing with them uh, next Sunday night, uh, beginning for the week. I know, uh, Dr. Henry, you'll be doing an evangelistic meeting um, within the week. Uh, Sharon, and I know this conversation definitely, if it fired me up, I know it's going to fire you up to share from this perspective of, of trusting God, not just with our lives, but with our children. Yeah. I, I'd like to add to this, too. I know a lot of times when preachers go to preach somewhere, you know, or a guest preacher will get up and, and talk to the the church saints about the, you know, how, how hard the preacher's job is and that people ought to support the pastor, put a little money in his pocket, put some tires on his car, whatnot. Listen, 
We can do that for teachers. Those of you who have schools and you've got teachers there, put some money in their pockets. Do something for their birthday. Yes. Um, do something for their anniversary when they've been at your school for their first year, second year, whatever. Recognize them, support them. Um, it's not just the teacher's job. The whole church can rally around support. Go and stop by one day in the afternoon and ask your principal, is there something I can do to help? You need some floors swept. You need some toilets cleaned. You need some whatever. whatever it is that they need you need some tutoring in the afternoon just go and just let them know that you you appreciate what they do and that even if you have no education degree if you have no degree at all that you can still play a role in educating and equipping our children to meet the lord when he comes